just because in my mind I thought I could be a competitive twins rider, that doesn't mean anything until you prove it, right? So... Episode 76, Tank Slapping Podcast. Rolling one out this week. I'm actually headed to Florida tomorrow, so uh, I got some stuff to do down there, but I wanted to get a pod out to you guys. This will be a short one, short but sweet. We got Robbie McClendon on the line right now. What's up, dude? Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> Making a return to the pod, and then our guest for today is Jesse Janish. So uh, some, some good, some heavy hitters, man. It's, it should be a good one. Well, I take offense to the heavy hitter part. And also, uh, I believe he goes by Officer Janish now. He is the uh, the rulebook aficionado. He does know a lot of facts about random rules and shit like that. Um, he really does. It's funny, except for when he calls me out and I'm wrong on stuff, because you know how I am. I, I don't like being wrong. And, like, I know bad now not to even argue with Jesse, because he's already done the research, he's put in the time, and he's generally right and i hate to admit that but i love him to death but uh yeah he should be fun to talk to yeah man and uh we didn't talk to you after the rva flat track so um i don't know if you listened to the last pod but yeah frankie's at work right now so he's not on the show but wanted to talk about about the rva a little bit man it was cool um you know you kind of hammered me after after the race it was good but uh (laughs) but it was a tough one it was a tough one to see dude (laughs) No, I know it, man. It's always it's hammering you guys for love, just like you give it back to me. And actually, truth be told, dude, you you kill me so much better. Especially, <laughs> I, I wish I would have never even like let people take pictures of me on that the the hooligan bike because it was just I wanted to ride it and just see how it was. And like I didn't think it was going to be that that bad. Um, you know, true full honesty. <coughs> Excuse me. But uh, but no, well, well deserved, uh, well deserved ridiculing to me. Um, but uh, but yeah, Mike Hacker, John Nickens, what a freaking awesome event, man. Um, kind of wish there's a few more riders that showed up. I understand that there was other races going on here and there. It's just this time of year, the weather's getting cooled off, so everybody is is going everywhere. But man, hats off to him for promotion. This is the second event they've had, and he, I don't know his numbers. I don't care to know his numbers, but. When you still have so many spectators that are standing up at the fence, they're standing around the turns. I mean, they get hyped up, man. I mean, they they got hyped up over a lot of races. It's so cool when I'm in the booth and you you're like watching the computer screen and you hear like a big like cheer, whether somebody passed or unfortunately somebody wrecked. But it's always cool when the crowd over you can hear the crowd over the bikes. Hell yeah, yeah, it was cool. They were even cheering for Cruz. He was out there by himself, and they were they were cheering uh cheering him on. So that was that was cool. I, I really enjoyed that event. Um, I got a question for you. We talked about it on the pod before we get Jesse on, but how did you manage the 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 moto helmet at at the AFT race? Okay, well, first off, I love Bell so much, but my boy Chris is no longer with him anymore, and um. So my bell that was supposed to be coming kind of got lost between the cracks, I guess, so to speak. Um, you know, I'm obviously not a full sponsored rider, but, but they take care of me, you know, just like they do a lot of racers and long story short, the helmet never came. Um, and the only thing I had was either a bell or my really, really like five-year-old, um, road race helmet, which it was still decent, but I had 
no tear-offs for it, which I didn't know at Charlotte. I wasn't going to need tear-offs, especially, especially as far back as I was. But, uh, but yeah, so um, I don't know, just me being silly or maybe having big old vice grip hands or what, but I over-tightened my visor to where the little plastic screw stripped out. And, of course, at AFT Race, nobody has a moto helmet, really, to borrow some screws from. And it, like, sagged down. And I, we talked about this, and we made fun of me before, but it actually, like, hurt my neck because as far down as the visor went, I had to tilt my head back. Almost picture yourself <laughs> road racing at Daytona. You know, when you're, like, you're crouched down, but you got to keep your neck up. Ah, uh, dude, well, it hurts, yeah. Dude, if it wasn't for the goggles, I would have been completely blind because they kind of held it from going down any further. Well, I'm just glad but you, you didn't pulled, do better because you would have got protested for wearing a moto helmet. Nobody said anything to you? Like, no AFT guys? Like, you passed the no, I inspection? Don't, <laughs> no, well, no, my leathers are, you know, 10 years old. They were fine. I mean, other than, you know, if I wrecked, I would have clearly busted right through the zippers. Like, they were holding everything together. <laughs> but uh I, I don't know about the rolling sands rules on on hooligans I, there was a couple guys with moto helmets that i saw um, oh really okay but but realistically let's just be honest they would have probably been doing me a favor if they if they would have kicked me out for no helmet you just i wouldn't have even visor off dude mike metzger like rip it right off well you know i didn't want to affect my aero package we did so much wind tunnel testing that uh you know i didn't want to mess it up yeah, well, if, if it got rained out and they did the the drag strip next door, you would have been you would have been a, a contender probably. Oh, for sure, for sure. If that thing would have kept the front wheel down, I, I that, that thing is a monster, man. And I'm really excited to get it going again. My goal, just so you know, is to have it ready for your race. That's my my goal. And I'm not coming in. I wasn't cocky for Charlotte. And I'm not gonna be cocky for your race. My goal is to make the main and keep shaking it down. I wish I had you know full time to uh develop it quicker and better but um but my goal is to uh to be more competitive at your race like there's some fast freaking hooligans that come down to your event so just making the main there is going to be something too so that's my goal yeah yeah i would think our our hooligan class is one of our most stacked classes at the winter throwdown like uh like i want to th- i'm trying to think who who won it over the years i know dave kilkenny won it the one year i think richard Didn't, Heverly. Uh, no, Heverly Didn't won it. No, last year it was actually, I think it was Chris Boone. Huh. Yeah, I, I can't Chris remember. Boone I know that, it. I mean, that's the cool thing about that class. I know a lot of people give them shit, but man, like, it has taken on another life form. It's not, it's, it shouldn't even be called hooligans. It should, it should be called, like, street stock or something, because these are really well-prepped bikes, like, for the most part. Of course, you got the guys in the back with me that just kind of throw some shit together, but you know, looking at Debrino and looking at uh, Scooter Vernon, like those are legit bikes that could probably, I'm going to say it, Corey, with you on it or Dalton or me or whoever, they could absolutely put it in the main and the production class. Like I, I well, firmly believe that. You might call me bullshitting, but no, I, I, mean, I feel like they're that. For sure, make the main. But no, I mean, yeah, they're, they've come a long way. It's almost, I don't know. I wish we had Frankie on right now. He's a hooligan diehard. But there was a bunch of stuff on uh instagram with, with like our podcast page i posted a picture of johnny lewis on the hooligan bike and there's this uh hooligan rider uh chris wigan do you know him he's from california he was yeah. oh, it yep. sucks that their pros are allowed to run it and you know or former pros i'm like dude like when you give up your pro license you can ride amateur like it's always been that way like look at Car- ricky carmichael he did loretta yeah. Lynn's. like 
a couple years after he retired, it's the same thing. Like instead of being focused on who's racing with you, like if you're a true hooligan, go drink a beer, go out there, ride it and fucking have fun with your buddies. Like, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) No, you're, you're exactly right, man. I mean, even Roland Sands website has it on there, which I like the way he did it. It says something to the effect of, you know, Hey, we welcome pros. But just know that, you know, I forget, like, he either doesn't let you get paid or you don't get, points, you don't get to don't. be in. The, yeah, okay. You something, which is cool, you know. It's like you can still go out there and play. And and it, let's be real, man. It's not like you're going to have, you know, Briar and Jared and, like, all the AFP regulars aren't. You're going to have one or two here and there. And I think that's cool because, you know, you'd be like, damn, man, there's no way you can ride a hooligan faster. And then, like, a legit pro shows up and you're like, holy shit, like, yeah. Looking at perfect example, you know, we all who doesn't love him, but Jake Johnson. Go back and watch him ride the actual Sportster series when they were really shitty Harleys. And dude, he's riding it like a freaking Rotax. Like, you guys don't want none of that. I can promise you that right now. That's what like, I mean. Like, they're, like he's some of the guys they get mad about. Like, I don't know. Like, somebody was complaining about Debrino since he's a pro. He's a current pro road racer. And it's like, dude, you put somebody that's actually retired, like Jake Johnson, not retired, sorry, Jake. I know he's, he, he, hates, he, he hates that title, but he's not currently racing. If you put him on a hooligan bike, you're going to have your hands way more full with some of these guys. You know, I mean, like, it's just, it's all relevant to who you are or whatever, but I don't know. I just yeah. thought it, it just, it's, and then you put the prize money. Like one year they gave out a, they gave away a free Indian FTR 750, dude. I'll, I know. I'll trip up some guys for that. Like that's that's a hefty oh prize. So well, even even I think the next year they did like a FTR twelve hundred, which whatever you know, the first the first year was the Indian was that was fifty thousand dollars. I know. So that's... even you know even an FTR twelve hundred, I think they're like fifteen grand. So yeah. I mean, shit, dude, what's the championship bonus in production twins right now? <laughs> I mean, I, it's not. Nope, it's not. It. A, well, it's all relevant to whatever you got going on. But I mean, we did, I didn't win a $50,000 bike. I'll tell you that much. Um, no, I know. That's what I'm saying. Though. Yeah. So you can make fun of the Hoogans all you want and whether it's rolling. And now they got uh DeRoyder up in Wisconsin. He's promoting this grand national Hoogan series thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm always for like growing the sport. And I know a lot of people hate on hooligans. You know, I've made fun of them before, but I've also raced them. And, <laughs> and no matter what, like they're really fun as long as you realize what they are and don't, you know, don't take it too seriously, man. I know they pick on Debrino a little bit because like, he's like a professional hooligan racer. And then you see some of the other guys like Cam Brewer be the, you know, like drinking beer right after the race. Like, Hey guys, Frankie, you know, yeah. this is what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, nah, it's it's pretty interesting stuff. But Janish, man, on the line, didn't race for what a year. Come back, winning winning AFT stuff, man. Uh, let's talk about it, dude. How are you? Good, man. Uh, yeah, it was like a half a year, I guess. I uh, rode around in the back of the singles mains most of 2020, so it's only like half a year of retirement again. That's crazy. Hey, I, man, at least you I, made the mains. <laughs> that shit's tough. That class is tough. Well, I didn't make all the mains. I made a few of the mains. I didn't make them all. I was, uh, dude, last year I sat and watched Charlotte on day one, and then I turned my transponder in last year before it even started raining on day two. Yeah, there's, but I give you credit for that, though, man. You, like, you're at the point in your career now, you're like, well, you know, it is what it is. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I can do. Like, take it or leave it. And that's why, like, you'll always have a bike available for me. If I have a bike and you say, Rob, I'm thinking about going racing in 15 years, I'll be like, sure, Jesse, no problem. Because, like, 
when you're confident and you're on and you're feeling it, dude, you're gonna you're gonna make the main, and that's that's pretty that's pretty cool, man. Because you're you're kind of an old guy. Thanks. Yeah, I don't feel old. <laughs> <Getting there. laughs> yeah, you are old, bro. How how old are you? Two days two days older or younger than me? What is it? Two days younger. He's two days younger than me. Yeah, he a, never... a long long two days younger <laughs> that yeah. that feels so weird though because like like jesse is i mean not that Corey's not a veteran either but i guess because Corey still got like a little baby face and not that jesse looks old but like i can look in old road racing world magazine to see where jesse was road racing in like what 2005 or something like oh nah, it was like or one or two right back then. i think i started i started when i was 14 so yeah oh one and then i raced until um pretty much oh five so i think 2000 end of 2005 was for the most part the last time i was full-time road racing i I still road raced a little bit in oh six and then once in oh eight and that was actually the last time i've been on a road race track or road racer so it's been a while so let me follow up then right now um let's say let's say i don't even know what team but a a legit road race team calls up jesse janish and says hey man we're thinking about you know, letting you ride a few times next year. A, could you be competitive? But and B, like, would it be one of the things where like you just keep your winnings, or are you like a point in your career where it's like, all right, well, how much you pay me to race your shit? Uh, well, B would have to be the first thing. I can't spend money at it because I don't have enough money to spend to do it. No, no, so... I'm talking. All your expenses would be paid. Like, you wouldn't have to have a tire bill or anything like that. But Hey man, show up and here's a bike for you. Oh, I do it in a heartbeat, first of all. And then to answer A, would I be competitive? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> what about um, Twins Cup? There's some fat guy that came off the couch and won a Twins Cup race. I think you could you could beat that guy. I don't think so, honestly. I mean, I watched you win that thing, not live, but I watched it afterward. Um, dude, I just haven't done it. In, like, I have this weird philosophy that. I am involved in way too many different forms of racing. And when I think I'm like legitimately done with one, it's like, I forget how to do it. So yeah, it's like hard to explain, but I feel like I don't like, I would be almost starting over completely new at road racing. Granted, when I started road racing, I picked it up decently fast to like a decent level, but dude, to show up at like a Moto America race and think I'm in a top three, I don't think that's realistic anymore. Not maybe in the 600 and obviously a super, super, um, bike, but I mean, I really, do, I mean, the twins cups gotten pretty competitive, but I think you'd still be all right. I think your biggest thing would be like figuring out how much better the tires are in today's world. That's what surprised me, man. Cause back in the club racing days, we didn't run slicks on twins. You know, it was like whatever shit was available in a 160, you know, and now they're running full 180 slicks and, like, I was like, holy, holy shit, man, you can really get on down with these. And I don't know. I, I think you could still be all right. I, I've, I've watched some old footage of you, and, and I don't think you'll, you'll lose. And you're clearly in way better shape than I've ever been. But I think, uh, I think I'd like to see you and Corey on a Twins Cup ride. Dude, I'd be more down for a bagger, to be perfectly honest. I think a bagger suits more Supermoto style than it does, like, true road racer. And I think, for me, it would be much easier to transition into that than it is into like the full road race style. Cause I, when I went back and did it in 08, I felt like I was in left field, man. Like I wasn't, I was like kind of expected to do well. We were doing the, the eight hour at Daytona and I was like kind of expected to like win the race. And we showed up and dude, I, I felt sketchy. And like the, I guess the pressure to go out and be fast immediately and not have a chance to like 
build speed, it, it just wasn't great. Yeah, that's that's tough too, man. I don't know. I'm still on the fence about the baggers. I mean, I love the thought process. I love the idea, and I love that like they're clearly building legit bikes. My only issue is it seems like it's going to be like uh, the top four or five guys are going to have really, really good stuff, and then you got guys that threw some shit together in their garage and like either not finishing or leaking oil because. Let's be real, man. Like, unless you're on like a good Indian or like the Vance and Hines or Kyle Wyman Harleys, like, I don't think you're going to stand a chance. But I do know that you might have made a few Vance and Hines connections in the last few months, so maybe there's something there. I think they're going back with Taylor and uh, Hayden. To be honest, I don't, I don't really know that for sure, but I've already asked. <laughs> yeah, I know. Every time I go in there, I, I drop the hit to Terry. He just kind of laughs and smiles. I'm like, man. Who is Hayden Gillum and who's Taylor Knapp? Those guys suck. Not really. I love them both. But <laughs> uh, if we're competing for a ride, those guys suck. Speaking of Harley stuff, man, what uh, what were your overall thoughts on the XG? I know that's a broad question, but you've ridden you've ridden some twins prior to that. I mean, you were on a, a Suzuki twin. I think it was Weirbach. You rode Bill Billy Werner's uh, Kawasaki twin, the spray paint edition, and then you were also on the. Uh, you were on the Indian. You rode the Indian. It was a stock Indian, but it's uh, but you rode an Indian. Um, thoughts on the XG, and then maybe to follow up with that in more detail, what do you think they can do? I know everyone has their own theory, but you've ridden the bike. What can they do to be competitive in Super Twins? Um, thoughts on it? It was super awesome. Uh, the FTR that I rode, I was the first guy to ride it. Obviously, that's a good package, you know, right from from S and S, but the guys that are in the Super Twins class have obviously made a bunch of adjustments to them from the stock trim, and that's just based on, like, chassis and suspension and stuff, and I didn't really have a chance to have any of that sorted. And then the the Cowie from Warner and the Suzuki from Weirbach, those, kind of, those bikes were, like, basically freshly built, and then I was the first guy to hop on them. So whether or not at the time I was younger, whether or not I was, like, a good test rider or – or what the case you can't it's not like building a 450 right like a 450 you can throw suspension on it and the thing's got a decent motor it you're in the ballpark immediately um the one thing i noticed especially with the xg it was nice to hop on a like a quote-unquote proven bike like dalton had already won on that thing they've had a bunch of obviously really good riders on it and like the development is so far along on it it was awesome to just be able to hop on and know that i'm on a bike good enough to win the race Whereas I didn't really necessarily have that opportunity in the past. Um, man, as far as like what to do development wise on it, it, for me, it was tough because the bike had such a good platform to begin with at, at every track we went to, I was almost scared to screw it up. So like for, for me, at least I, I didn't really want to make a lot of changes because I didn't want to go the wrong direction when we were for the most part, so close right off the bat with the bike as it came off the truck and for how little bit I got to ride it. And like, we didn't, I mean, we didn't do any testing obviously outside of the nationals I was at. I didn't really know like how the bike would react with what changes we would make. So, um, man, it was kind of a hard thing. I, I know the little bit I had talked to Steve there at the end of the year, I know that they were talking about trying a new chassis and, uh, and stuff like that. I, I think it's close. I mean, the biggest problem in my opinion with super twins is there's there's 10 really really fast guys all on indians and then you have one good good fast guy on a harley 
I mean, if you had six guys on Harleys and six guys on Indians, the development of the Harley would go way quicker and things would get sorted. I mean, that's kind of how the XR750 got so good. So many people had them. And, you know, if you've got, you got three guys trying one thing and three other guys trying a different thing, you're going to figure out which one works faster, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with everything you said. I mean, obviously I've had my fair share of, uh, of, of Harley experience and I love them. And the, the team is just, the team is great, man. You like everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people give them shit and, and they were, you know, talking all that smack. It's, they don't understand how difficult it is to take a production motor and, and run with a race motor. And I, I said it a million times, but same thing with the Yamaha. Look how talented the JD is. And yeah, on his day, the Yamaha can, can run with the Indian, just like the Harley was, you saw with Sammy, but the Indian is just so good versatility wise that, it can be like at 98% and you can still win on it. Whereas the Harley, it needs to be at 98% or a hundred percent all the time, just because there's not as much info out there on them. And, you know, but hell, I, I'm, I can't say how awesome you did on that thing. Man, it was, it was, I was screaming at the TV in Peoria, man. Like, and then of course, you know, the rest of the year you, you went above and beyond my expectations in a good way. You know, I thought like, yeah, he's in a podium a bunch, but dude, you were, you were battling for the wins and, and I mean, obviously, I root for Corey too, but uh, but you know, I was uh, I was super stoked, man. I hope uh, I hope it leads to something for you too, man, because I, I like having it at the track. Yeah, it was uh, it was rad. Uh, it was a weekend by weekend basis, you know. So I had to not crash the thing, and and I had to do well to be able to keep coming back. So it was uh, it was cool to be able to do Peoria and and uh, and just get a shot, you know. I can I can say no matter what, whether it's Volusia or Daytona in spring, I'll be there. It's only 35 minutes away from my house. So whether or not I'm racing, I don't know, but I'll be there. Well, well, let me follow up on that real fast. You, you, we, you talked about, you know, you've run singles, you've run, I guess it wasn't called super twins, but you've run the premier class. And then this was your first time sort of racing the production class, you know, as a spectator watching production and then actually going out, and racing in that class, good or bad, you know, we like honesty here. What were your thoughts on uh, the class, maybe the, um, you know, the equipment, like how the bikes are pretty, they seem pretty equal. And then some of the riders in it too, because that was, you know, that was something new that you've never done, although you've done a bunch of shit. So. Um, man, I think the, the bikes are probably the coolest aspect of it, in my opinion, uh, just because, we've got like, I guess, four main brands out there, right? We got Royal Enfield, the Cowie, the Yamaha and the Harley, and they all kind of do everything a little different. So it's cool to see like where each bike kind of performs better, I guess you'd say. Um, and it's all, at least seems to me super even granted, not everybody's ridden, you know, I've never ridden the Yamaha or the Cowie or the Rot or the Enfield, but you know, like we're, we're all really consistently close on times and, and you didn't necessarily, I mean, you dominated most of the year, but at least from Peoria on, we smoked a sack. But as far as like lap times, we were all close. I mean, Coast was super close to you at SAC and at Springfield. I mean, between Dallas Barnes, uh, the Harleys with Coast, Ben, myself, and, and you and, um, and uh, Barnes, I mean, we're all super close. So that was really cool to see, I guess, the diversity in the brands. And then, uh, Honestly, the, I guess I've pretty much raced with everybody in production before. I, I'm old enough to have raced with Johnny in the premier class. 
and then uh, obviously me and you raced together in the singles class when you were back there, and then uh, oh, I raced a lot. There. Well, whatever, you know, <laughs> a couple of years ago. And, uh, Burn. I've raced a whole bunch with Bromley, mainly on TTs. We battled quite a bit. And uh, so I've, I've spent, and obviously Ben Lau, I've spent a bunch of time with most of the guys in the class. So as far as comfort level, like I was good there. You kind of know what each guy's going to do. Um, you know, spring, every, every round we kind of went to, everybody, it was all pretty normal. But I would say at Charlotte specifically, it felt like a dang singles main. Like dudes were going everywhere and it was crazy, especially like the first like four laps of that race dude it felt like a singles main people dive bombing each other i mean that was one heck of a battle for second coast was kind of already had a little bit of a lead there and the battle for second was just insane between uh i think it was me ben um bromley uh johnny and you must Corey, you must have been just behind us because I, I didn't ever see you quite peek up in front of me but dude there was dudes everywhere it was wild I, I'm waiting for Rob, some smart ass for Rob to say. He got oh, no. No, I had I had one. I had a good one. I had a good one because it said uh, Corey was something about Corey being back there. And I was like, yeah, that's right where he likes to be. Yeah, well, I blame you for my singles <laughs> year because uh, you were my mechanic. I trained with you all year. So I guess you just didn't train. You didn't you didn't train me hard enough. Uh, Alvin Baker. I couldn't get you off the damn bicycle, man. On the I couldn't get you on the motorcycle. You wanted to be on the bicycle all the time. Yeah. 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 It's like, you, you talk about your training program. I'm like, yeah, dude, it was great. I was getting solid top eight finishes in the singles class. <laughs> um, I know. Well, I know, but you're like a, one of the old dogs, man. You don't learn no new tricks. Well, it's kind of funny, Jesse, you mentioned us racing together uh, in singles when we raced together in the, in the premier class, I was always kind of a more of a half mile, mile guy, twin rider. And you always did better on the singles TTs and short tracks and we both kind of whatever never flourished in either one so i never really actually i didn't really i don't even think i got to race with you much until we rode the singles class um it's you know we we were at the track together a bunch but i guess we did a couple like expert twins races back in the day but you were on the um the tank slap and green machine so i didn't we, we didn't really get race race much there either so we did get to battle at uh, Monticello, I think it was. You, I believe, won. And I think, was it Hiddle was second? I was third? You did podium. That's right. I remember. I got that photo. That's right. That's awesome. I still got the clock. They gave us, like, that really rad-looking clock. Uh-huh. I got mine still, too. I got second, actually. I think um, I think Weedman won. Matt Weedman won. I got second. It was close. But, yeah, I think he won that one. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it awesome. A, a, into a notch, little groove, and I think it red flagged, and I was able to get a good enough start to basically block and hold off in the third. <laughs> yeah, what uh, I wanted to talk to you about this, uh, the banquet, Michael Locke, high praise for you, dude. Was that what were your thoughts on that, and uh, was it unexpected? Yeah, it was super unexpected. Uh, that was rad. Uh, obviously. Uh, my reputation wasn't great for a few years there, and I guess I've spent the last year and a half trying to fix that a little, little bit. Uh, I just randomly talked to Mitch Charlotte. I just walked up because they were they were doing some some FTR testing, as we know, like the rule book's questionable for next year for those guys. Um, so they had B Smith on the Indian, and I just kind of walked up and I was just kind of like watching what was going on and what they were changing and whatnot. And, and Michael came up and congratulated me on. Uh, on the main event from the night before and then um yeah just just kind of honestly had like didn't try to just ended up having a conversation for like i don't know 45 minutes there 
and uh yeah it was a good good talk and just kind of talked about uh this next year's schedule and I mean he he was like kind of an open book I wasn't like asking a whole lot of questions but he was telling me like I knew we were going to go to Castle Rock and so I was like I thought that was kind of cool and and then yeah sitting at the banquet I was uh honestly nervous when uh he started talking because I I was just didn't think that was going to go great but yeah it was cool it was uh it was good to uh kind of I guess repair another relationship (laughs) yeah Yeah, I don't know man I don't think I don't think I don't think your your reputation was bad just you just like tell it like it is and people don't always think they they might construe that as being an asshole but I know that if I ask Jesse a question you're gonna like shoot me straight and if I don't like the answer I'm not gonna call you an asshole but I think you might agree that that maybe be how some perceived you but your whole time, you know, I, I hell, I would, I don't know, I'd, I'd work with you in a heartbeat. So I don't know. Um, I just think some people can't take like the blunt, brutal honesty is is maybe how it is. I mean, you know, I I don't know, but I'm glad you uh you got to talk to Michael because I like him. I think he does a good job, man. I think I think he's gotten kind of a bad rap over the years too. And and fuck, you know, I've been on Facebook forums and I've I've bashed AFT and I've I've praised him on certain things and. You know, I think overall, though, I really do think that he had the racer's best interest in mind. You know, I mean, I, I really do. You know, so I'm glad you got to uh, squash that beef on the streets. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what all happens. Uh, whether I don't always agree with all the rules that change, but I mean, whatever. They do what they want to do either way, right? It's like, uh, it's like battling AFT. They're they're undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Is I I've told you like through text and messages and stuff. Um, just like just your attitude toward racing. Um, like just recently has has been a it's, it's been like a game changer. Like I feel feel a couple of years there. Um, you no, know, you weren't getting the opportunities you definitely deserved, and you had you seemed like a little spiteful and and just like sort of negative with certain things. And now it's like you know, you're complimentary, you're giving everybody props, you're, you know, you're posting stuff, shouting out other riders for their rides. And, um, you know, you're training and like, you're training hard, man. Like just the transformation that I've seen, um, has been really cool. You know, it's just, we've been able to kind of chat more and, and bench race. And like, you're one of the few guys I actually talk to probably like, like consistently, um, just like, you know, it, it's just cool to see, man. And, I definitely think it's maybe that's one of the reasons the results have been so good. Cause you're just, uh, you're focused on what you're doing and just, uh, you sort of appreciate it when, like, I know I did when I, when I wasn't racing for a while and I came back and, um, I've just, I found like a, like a appreciation for it more. And I definitely think that's part of the reason you've been really successful. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, pretty much, I guess, uh, yeah, it's, it's disappointing when, for one, like realistically, it's it's super annoying to just be considered a TT specialist, which I fully understand why that's always been what I've been known as. But it's like I've gotten a bunch of top fives. I've actually top five like miles on my 450, and I got a couple fourths and whatnot, and and like even on the half miles. So it was always frustrating to always kind of be seen as that guy. And then uh, yeah, especially like the year 19, leading the championship, and. Uh, whatever just not not really agreeing with the way things were going and 
and just kind of hated racing. And that, that's not cool, you know, especially when basically a hundred percent of my life was revolving around it. And, uh, it was just real frustrating. And, and then, uh, 2020, I kind of decided I was going to go racing and I was just going to do select events and I was going to do it for fun and try to like enjoy the sport again, which Rob was a big part of. He ended up giving me his Husky 450 and then, um, and then I built my own as well. And then I was able to do a bunch of the rounds. The problem with that was as COVID hit. So, I mean, basically the rules were, you know, you weren't really supposed to be walking around in the pits and we were obviously in masks and everything else. So it's like pretty much just lived in my van in the pit area. Didn't really get to hang out with many people. And like the super twins class was kind of secluded away from us. And obviously I've got friends in that class. And so, yeah, it kind of was a little annoying last year, but I was able to at least go to the races and enjoy it again and have fun. And, uh, Man, the biggest thing for me, honestly, is getting into off-road racing and uh, and the three-hour ice race. Um, racing flat track, I've never really, at least on a single, like gotten tired or been exhausted. The only rounds that would happen were like really the TTs because those were more work, and I usually did well. So I never really focused a whole lot on the training or fitness. But I tell you what, going and trying to race two hours in the woods, that, that'll show you just how out of shape you are, you know? So, um yeah, it was kind of cool with uh, with moving to Florida. And then, man, I mean, there's like a laundry list of names that were down here. But the main two guys were J.D. Beach and, and Davis uh, living a couple miles away. And, and they were kind of the main reason why I ended up getting on my bicycle and starting to train and ride with them. And uh, and, and honestly, it was uh, those two and Colby in uh, Dallas. And the day they were leaving their uh, Airbnb, we joked about how that would be the last day I was on my bicycle because they were leaving and I'd be all alone. So um, it's pretty cool to know that I, I've spent uh, I've spent a lot of days this summer on my bicycle training. And, and, uh, and yeah, just, it's kind of a weird deal. Like my main focus with my fitness stuff was to get better at off-road. And, uh, and it's just wild how it all worked because the opportunity to fill in for Dalton, really the only reason that that worked out well was because of the fact I was actually in really good shape training for off-road so like if that wouldn't have all happened and like stars aligned I would have never really been able to take that opportunity like I was able to so it's cool that uh that kind of worked out and it's kind of wild but yeah like right now I've got no races in the month of November so I've got uh I've got a cycling goal of 600 miles this month and and I've got some goals for the gym as well so like yesterday and today for instance I was in the gym because we got rain all day today so um so yeah it's, it's it's wild how it worked out and uh it was super cool that kind of the off-road stuff ended up working out for me to actually be able to take advantage of the opportunity in flat track yeah i'm just gonna say real quick that 600 miles just sounds fucking horrible on a bicycle like good 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 luck though bud wish you all the best but that that sounds miserable it's not actually that bad so yeah funny it's hard to talk to Corey about it because cory has been on a bicycle probably i'm just gonna guess the last 10 years maybe i don't know obviously he does but he's obviously really good at cycling me i was never really on a bicycle before this year so i would go out with and like i'll just say the coolest guy to train with is jd because jd is obviously in ridiculous shape but he's so cool about it that like he's not going to like push you harder than you have to be pushed kind of thing. So like there were days where JD would just straight up tell me like, Hey, go this way. We'll meet you in 25 minutes. And he, they would take a longer route and they would like up their pace and whatnot. And I, who is you they? Not, man. 
uh, like JD Davis, Colby and Dallas, for instance, uh, normally I was like the fifth guy and by far in the worst shape out of the five of us at the time. And, uh, so yeah, so they would kind of cruise a little bit longer down the road and then I would shortcut it. And then, uh, dude, I was coming home and I'm not, I'm not joking. I was like, I had like the massage machine on my legs. I was icing my legs, icing my back, like dude, popping ibuprofen like it was candy just to be able to like try to go ride motorcycles the next day like i'm literally starting from a, a base level of horrible right to trying to keep up with these guys and uh and yeah so so basically i mean 600 miles is like 20 miles a day so that's not like that crazy um that's pretty crazy generally, generally i do about 22 miles a day as my my norm so um but my norm normally doesn't mean that I'm bicycling when I'm riding motorcycles or racing, which luckily this month I have no racing. So now I just got to like fight off the rain. That's like the one thing that's going to screw me. So like yesterday I did uh, 44 miles for instance, because I knew it was going to rain all day today. So I'll be, uh, I'll be on the bicycle tomorrow as soon as the rain stops. Yeah, that, well, that, that sounds horrible. I know you got to bounce Rob. So let's uh, r- real fast. I want to talk about your, uh, your race coming up and uh, I want to keep, uh, I have a few more questions for Jesse, but yeah, let's plug your race. Uh, I know we are doing a race this weekend too, right? Yeah. Yeah. We got, uh, we got one called the battle at the beach this weekend. It's uh it's primarily a quad show, um, but there'll be, um, there'll be, uh, there'll be some motorcycle classes and, but it's mainly a quad show, but it's basically just to get the super TT ready for the, uh, the big clash weekend. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be pretty gnarly, man. I'm really excited about the clash. We've got four days of racing. Um, but it's a technically, if you want to come hang out, it's a five day show, but four days of racing at four different facilities, uh, or four different styles of track. Um, yeah, it, it's, and we're hearing some pretty big names are coming out. Unfortunately, it doesn't sound like Jesse is going to be one of those names, but, um, he's raced a lot of my events. So I can't give him too much shit about missing one, although we, we are going to miss him, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be stacked, man. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's not gonna be as hard to make the main events. Like say it, it your race, Corey, like, you know, you get probably a few more pros than I do, but, uh, Overall, though, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be gnarly, man. It's, I can't wait. What are the dates, just so people can write it down? And uh, they can obviously, if you don't follow Robbie Bobby on Facebook, you you probably need to because that's one of the most. Well, if you want to take up all your time reading all of his comments, everybody, but definitely entertaining for sure. But yeah, we'll, we'll give us some info, the dates, and where they can find more info. Yeah, so the uh, the event is called the Panhandle Clash World Finals. Um, I couldn't put down world championship because it's not an FIM deal, but world finals, we're going to have motorcycles, quads, and uh, we've got sprint car classes too. Um, so basically what I'm trying to do is bridge the gap between three different genres of uh, circle track racing. And um, not that we're going to get any mini sprint guys probably buying uh, flat trackers, but they usually bring a lot of new fans with them. Um, so that's my goal is to, uh, is to introduce flat track motorcycles because if, say of a hundred people in the stands, if 10 of them tune into the next flat track on TV, then that's a, that's a win-win from, for, in my book. Um, but yes, December 9th through the 12th are the races. Uh, the eighth is a pre-race party, um, at the equestrian center, the indoor facility. I'm going to buy everybody pizza and drinks and stuff, not alcohol. Um, Oh, hold on. <laughs> oh man. I sneezed my face off. 
Um, so anyway, we're gonna uh, we're gonna have a good time. Bubba Schobert is the Grand Marshal, so I'm really looking forward to him telling some some cool old Honda stories. Um, but yeah, um, um, even Mies hit me up. He he said he might be making the trip, so I'll believe it when I see it. But there was some good money to be made last year. Sammy uh, Sammy's taking away a lot of our money. Uh, B Rob, I mean, he's taking away a lot of your money too. But um, of course, Sammy's not going to be racing this year, unfortunately. And I think B Rob's getting married, so it's a uh, bummer. We're going to lose those two guys plus uh, plus Jesse. I'm always going to miss Jesse. But from everybody else that says they're coming, I think it'll be a, a damn good show. Yeah, man, sounds good. I uh, I'm stoked to watch it and follow the results. I uh, I guess I'm doing a. We have our local indoor that weekend, but dude, you never know. Maybe maybe I'll show up. I just won't even tell you. I'll just roll in. So maybe. Yeah, right. I know okay. better. Number one, Maybe. if you do show up, that'd be cool. But you'll damn sure tell me because you'll say, well, what's this track like? What's that track like? This and that, who's there? So I know how you work. You'll definitely, you won't just show up. But if you do show up, you know, you always got a place to stay and we'll welcome you with open arms. But uh, bring lots of tear off things. It gets gnarly out here in these parts. Yeah, well, it's going to pretty soon. I'm going to be asking you what uh, what 50cc riders are signed up and how many 50cc riders and stuff. We actually get a bunch of them, man. We, we, we do get a decent amount of – I think last year we had like 10 in the 50 class. Now, I put the P-dubs out with like the TTR 50s and the CRF 50s as long as they don't have like Teeter 88 kits and stuff. Yeah. Because um, everywhere but Southern, the 3.8 mile, they're all pretty competitive, even on the TT. Um, yep. But uh, – once you get on the big three eighths mile and those fifties can shift into what third gear, they pull away from the P dubs a little bit. But if we have enough, we'll run a P dub P dub class as well. Cool, man. Well, thanks for coming on, bro. I'll uh I gotta get yeah, you no back problem. on for another one with Frankie. We need uh we need to shit talk some more hooligan stuff. But uh yeah, thanks for coming oh, on and definitely. helping. No problem, bud. And hey Jesse, man, I wish you all the best. I'm super excited for you, man. I'm proud of you, man. You did awesome this year. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Oh, and I guess congratulations to Corey, too, on the championship. You did kind of awesome. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Much love. Appreciate it. <laughs> love you guys. Y'all be safe, and uh, um, definitely, man, hit you up soon. All right. Peace out, dude. See you guys. All right, Jesse, I had a few more questions for you. I know Rob, had, he's prepping the racetrack for his race this weekend. But um, uh, let me think here. What can we go to now? Uh, as far as the, you, like you did, maybe, I don't know how many races technically you did. I, I keep saying it's half the races, but it's probably like a third of the races. Um, any surprises on that twin, as far as like what racetrack you liked or didn't like on it? Um, like what was your favorite track to ride on that bike that you uh, ended up racing? Uh, favorite track to ride was definitely Springfield too. Um, just with, uh, that was kind of like, Granted, that's not like the normal Springfield, I guess, that I remember from uh, the lockdown groove that it used to be. Um, but just the, the nowadays Springfield, it was more normal. Like uh, you got, we were kind of able to ride all over the track. It was smooth. Um, so that was probably the coolest one for me. And uh, the biggest surprise, honestly, was Charlotte. Because, uh, man, I raced my 450 there last year and I was in left field. Like I was so slow and so off the pace. And uh and yeah, that was, that was kind of wild to like, I think I was second in practice or second and you, you fast qualified. I was second in qualifying and, and just to uh, kind of go out there and be immediately like on pace was, uh, was rad. Um, so that was, that was definitely the biggest surprise for me. Um, it was the whole, the whole experience was wild because like 
just because in my mind I thought I could be a competitive twins rider, that doesn't mean anything until you prove it, right? So, like, even showing up to Peoria, on paper, I told myself that I should, I thought I should, no matter what, be top five. Um, but that doesn't mean anything until you can prove it, you know what I mean? So, right, uh, right. it was one thing to, like, go and get third at Peoria and, like, be competitive, and then I had the exact same problem going to Springfield. Like, on paper, the bike's good enough to win the race, but I've never done it on an oval. I've never proved it on an oval, especially on a twin. Um, so it was kind of the same thing. And then of course, with, uh, with the weather and everything, um, we went out and qualifying and me and Morgan were in the second session. So all of you guys went out in the first session. I believe there was 10 of you and all of you were first through 10th in qualifying overall. So me and Murd went out and I thought we like were hauling the mail and I was like, dude, we're, we're definitely close. Like we're in this and we were 11th and 12th overall. So then I'm like freaking out. Cause I'm like, Oh boy, like these dudes are spending their time, their money, you know, to like allow me to race their bike. And I'm a freaking joke out there. Right. Like I'm 12 on a bike that's good enough to win the race. Like, you know, Ben, Chad, um, those guys were up front and it's like, Oh boy, like me and Merg are not fast. And then, uh, so then, yeah, it was, it was wild. Like there's a lot of like weird mixed emotions, I guess, riding the thing because like I was in semi two. So like I watched semi one go out and all of a sudden Merg's in second and it's like, okay. So it was the reason that we were slow was the track because apparently like the moisture burned off that little bit or whatever the case was. So that's why we were so far off the pace. Cause he's now in second. And then I'm like thinking, I'm like, well, now I have to go prove it. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, uh, it was kind of like a, a weird mixed bag of emotions riding, riding for those guys, just because all that, whether or not I believe I can, can do well, it doesn't really mean anything until I can prove it to myself, I guess. So yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was just a weird, weird experience. Obviously I'm stoked that I got to, to have the experience and, uh, and I was happy with the results too. I mean, finishing a half a lap down at Sacramento one wasn't uh, the coolest thing in the world, but the rest of the rounds were pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, man, I, I don't know. Like, well, for, first off, Springfield Mile, like that place. If you start thinking about like qualifying too much there, you'll literally drive yourself crazy. Because I've seen, I've seen like guys like Kenny Coolbeth qualify fortieth, and I've seen guys like um, like no offense, Jake Matea, like he's a phenomenal rider, but he's never been a miler. But I think like he qualified first or second there one year um like so i've Hiddle. seen i've seen Hiddle do it yeah 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 Hiddle, he's been up there a few times too man and it's just been like like the track changes so much like sometimes it's better when you when you start but when like back in the day if you were in like group three or four and the groove started to get hotter and hotter everybody in the last session would be in like the top 10 like and you'd have like i said you'd have like kenny coolbeth and you know, those guys, they'd be like 40th. So I've that place, man, that is like just, yeah, the, the qualifying times there, the biggest thing is, and it's not even that important, but it's, it's ideal to be on the front row, but, um, hell fuck me and you, we, uh, we were one, two going into the corner from the back row. So, um, so technically it's not super important there, but, um, yeah, I just think it's a mindset, man. Like, like you went into it knowing, you can be competitive and you can win. And that's a big part. I tell a lot of, a lot of riders, man, it's like a lot of it's mindset, dude. Like you go into it thinking you can do well. And 
I mean, like people get, they give me shit for the TTs and, you know, oh, you know, we, we knew Corey would be a little off on the TTs. And it's like, dude, I went into Atlanta and I went into Peoria. Like, I'm not shitting you. I thought I could podium. Like, I was like, man, if I ride really good, like and get a good start, I, I think I could podium. Obviously, I, you know, I got, I got two six, but, um, but having that mindset going into every race, you know, if you say, if you realistically think you could win, then you're going to fight to get a decent finish. Like, I think that's a lot of it. Like just believing that you can, I know it sounds super cliche, but if you, uh, you know, actually believe it, you know, not just put it on, like put a front on, but if you think you can do it, I think that kind of like positions yourself farther and farther up the results when you actually have confidence. Yeah, it was, it was just a weird deal though. Right. Like I knew the bike was good enough and I feel like I had confidence that the possibility was there whereas i didn't necessarily like have confidence to where i i knew i was going to do well i just had confidence that the possibility was there you right know what same I mean? yeah I, the possibility uh, right right yeah right so so like until i could prove it to myself i guess i was still a really massive question mark like dude getting ready for charlotte i was just like i was just ready to literally shit the bed out there <laughs> like and i just had like four or uh I just had like five really good rounds with these guys. Right. And I'm like, Oh boy. Like it, it's like every round we went or after, after Springfield, I was pretty confident for sack. Um, but after sack, it's like, okay, now we're going to a half mile. Like they are not the same as a mile at all. And literally in my opinion, if I had like out of the four different style tracks, I think a half mile is my worst event. Like I think I can, I think I'm a good miler. Um, whether or not my results have proved it or not is regardless, but I've always thought I would be a good miler. I have a road race background. I kind of, I understand how to draft and all that whatnot, you know? So like for me going to Charlotte, it was like all over again. Like, I'm like, dude, I could get first or I could get 10, you know what I mean? And it's like, this is not cool. <laughs> like to kind of be in that situation. So um, yeah, it was, it was super rad. Obviously it worked out at Charlotte and, uh, and everything worked good and the bike was awesome. And, and yeah, I was, uh, I was definitely, uh, worried to not do well. That's for sure. So, uh, one more question and then we'll do the higher low line, um, plans for, let's do a two part question. What are your early, I don't know, early predictions for next season? Uh, maybe rules packages, what they're going to do. Cause nobody really knows, honestly, like even the riders, everybody thinks we know, and we, we legit have no clue what's going to happen, um, maybe how guys are going to do. Um, and what are your plans? Like what, a, what's Jesse Janish doing next year, man? Uh, shoot. I, I'm AFT. I know they're going to have some races. Uh, there's going to be some classes and there's going to be people in them. Right. That's about, uh, all I, I mean, I'm assuming that they're going to start trying to restrict the FTR. Um, I, I guess I think they're doing, a test in a week. I think I read, I'm not even sure, honestly. Um, I think they're going to a mile in like a week to, uh, to test and see what the changes are. I don't know if it's, I mean, the fact that Brian's involved, I think is a good thing, right? Like he's a current as current racer as you could get. And, uh, and he's obviously still fast. So it's good that he's involved with it. Um, man, I don't know what the rules are going to change. I mean, look at Charlotte JD was not far off of winning the race, you know? And, uh, and there's only, there was only two guys on Yamaha. It's the same thing with the XG. Like that when there's 10 super good dudes out there on Indians, it's really hard for 
for progress to be made for those other brands. Um, I think they're going to make changes to the FTR, but I don't, I don't see the, you know, results changing. I think it's, in my opinion, uh, I think you're going to see what the main four guys that were there this year, you know, Vanderkoy, B-Rob, Breyer, and Jared probably still up front kind of battling for those main four positions. Um, man, as far as singles, I think Brunner is going to be one heck of a dude to race with next year, you know? And, uh, I mean, we'll see who all moves into production or what happens there, but obviously you're two-time now, so you'll be up there for the win. I think Bromley's probably going to make some improvements uh, over the winter, especially since that was kind of his first year building those Yamahas. Um, I was listening to your pod with Johnny Lewis. There's going to be a second Royal Enfield rider, so that's going to be interesting to see who they pick up, if uh, if that's going to be a full-time AFT ride or not. Send in an uh, application, dude. Yeah, right. Should. <laughs> Um, that was the first time I heard of it. I was thinking I need to get a hooligan and just show up to his Pennsylvania round and try to win a hooligan ride. <laughs> hooligan ride. Yeah. I was, I was yeah. talking to him. I don't think that bike's that bad, man. Like I, I think I texted you like, um, it look, I mean the, where they've come with that bike. Uh, I mean, they, I think I've read 91 horsepower air cooled 91 horsepower, you know, the, um, I, I'd, I'd be interested in trying it. Cause I, I think, but the thing is, man, like with something like Royal Infield, it's cool what they're doing. Like, that's really cool, but it's, it's still a factory supported effort. It's not like anybody could just, I mean, I guess anybody could, but like if you buy a Royal Infield and, and you try and get close to what they're doing, it's like, you, it would take a lot to, to get to where they're at. Um, like that's why the Yamaha and the Cowies are cool because there's really no secret, game plan to building those platforms i mean um you can you know just, you know just pretty much take them put them in a frame and you know do a couple things and boom you're you're competitive uh where like you know even the xg you know it's to go buy an xg motor off ebay or whatever and and build it trying to make it competitive uh you would just be really far off of what what you know the vance and heinz crew has been able to kind of put together so um it's really cool but at the same time like um it, it's it's not you know the amount of development that harley and royal it has done it's uh it's kind of underrated like the money and effort that it's it like you you said you hopped on the xg and you knew it was a competitive bike to win on right away that wasn't the case like a year or two ago so it's a lot has changed with uh how much they put into those kind of bikes yeah man i watched uh i watched johnny at uh williams grove last year and that thing is way impressive <laughs> compared to uh what they started with man he was uh he was riding that thing like so hard and it was not fast on the straightaway right like those guys have uh those guys have done a lot of work in a short amount of time and made some like massive improvements to it and you can you can just watch that he rides the heck out of the thing but dude, like I was behind him at Peoria, that thing jumps off the corner. Like it, it, it goes well, you know? And, uh, I think they kind of know their downfalls. It sounds like, and, and they're going to, I'm sure they're going to make improvements, you know, over winter and, and be more prepared for next year too. So. Yeah. Which is good. That's what um, we like. We like to see like, um, like having Johnny on a competitive bike, it's, it's so much better. Like I, I like it better being even a competitor. Like I don't want to race Johnny and then, you know, look back, oh, but he was on the Royal infield. That was kind of like how it was last year. It's like, ah, uh, you know, it was, he's out there, but he's, you know, on a, what a 60 horsepower, 70 horsepower bike. Um, this year it was more like 
he's there. Like, you know, he's got the package to do well. It's, he's just gotta, you know, execute and, you know, whatever, go race. So it's, it's good. I, I liked, I mean, I, the competition in production, man, like in all the classes, it's, it's good. Like we want, we want that competition. And, um, you know, some guys don't, aren't fans of it, but if you don't have that competition, what's, what's the point of going out there and, and trying to do what you're doing? So I, that's, I think that's where we're trying to get with super twins too, is you mentioned the four guys and realistically it's, you know, it's Briar and Jared. And then you have like a second tier of riders. It seems like with Sammy, um, Brandon Vanderkoy, um, I say second tier, you know, very loosely, you know, they're top, top of the world, you know, but, um, you know, it just, there's, different packs that, that, you know, it's, it's not as competitive as it needs to be. So that's, I guess that would be like the goal for next year is just get, get the, other, get super twins as competitive as what the other two classes are. Yeah. It's, and that's tough, man. I mean, there's only, I mean, to try to build like a non-Indian, right? Like you need a massive budget. You need a lot of time you need, and you need to somehow get a rider. Like I'm not the same quality rider as Briar, obviously. Right. Like, to eat, it's it's tough for I think anybody to try to compete with those guys you know when when the top the most talented guys are on necessarily the best bike right like how do you compete against that like you need to have a bike that's way better than them to even compare you know it's uh right it's right. tough hey man I'd say Johnny lost any uh any argument he lost that at Lima right he won he's got a national win on on the infield so I think he lost any argument that uh there's, there can't be any more arguments of uh, the bikes holding them back after you win a national on the thing, you know? Oh, fast half mile too. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, and one thing, I don't know if I already mentioned it on the show. I know I've mentioned this in conversations with people I'm close with, but, you know, getting the, you know, right now in Super Twins, you have the, you have the FTR and then you have, you have the other bikes. You have the two Yamahas and you have the Harley. Um, you have the three riders on the non-Indians. They're all great riders. You know, Colby's a singles champion. JD is JD. Like he's, you know, there's no explanation needed. And James Raspoli, he's a production twins champion, a road race champion. Those three guys are really good riders and the Indians are still beating them. And they're on, you know, heavily funded teams. Essenson's heavily funded. Um, Latest isn't as funded as um, Essenson, obviously, but they have really good people behind them. Um, We're trying to get the Indians competitive with really good production bikes. Um, not even average production bikes and average riders. We're trying to get them competitive with phenomenal riders on really high tech production bikes. Um, and the Indians are still able to kind of win most of these races. So it's not an easy task, what they have ahead of them. And, um, I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions, man. I mean, as a rider itself, it's, it's tough, but it's, it's going to be an interesting off season. And hopefully we know soon. Cause I mean, it's, what is it November, early November? It's like, shit, man, we need to, we need to start planning what's going on ASAP. So, um, yeah, man, it's wild, right? Like, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm in, I'm like half involved in dirt tracks. Like, I feel like I'm involved in it enough to like pay attention to all of it, but not like fully invested in it. Not loosely. So it's like, it's yeah. wild. Listening to like silly season, for example, and, and rule packages. And it's like, from where I sit, it's awesome. Like, man i don't whatever like they can do whatever they want you know because like i'm not physically uh like invested in it you know what i mean so for me it's like it's kind of a cool thing spot to be in like i'm I'm more of a fan kind of than i am a racer in the series you know it's kind of a weird spot to be in i feel for the guys like dude i would hate to be like okay if they end up let's let's say doing a crank crank change for the indian 
dude, I'd hate to be like Davis Fisher, right? Like he's sitting on two Indians sitting there. Like, what does he do? Like, at what point does he start tearing his bikes apart? You know what I mean? Like, Oh, I know. From that, yeah. And testing. It, it sucks. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Davis, the privateers, Bronson. And then even like, like Jerry roof systems, they got six bikes or seven bikes. Like imagine having to change every single one of them. And then on the other side of it, even like Essenson, like what, you know, what, what might they have to change? It's just like, it's like, oh guys, it's early November. We, we really got to know um, at this point, man, it's almost better to keep the, you know, open up the super twins class, let anybody run it. Don't, don't charge, you know, no buy-in um let's, let's see where some guys shake up some some other production guys that might move up to that class and and try and plan ahead for for the following year i i would think but again i don't make the rules i'm i'm just a rider i whatever they do i'll you know i'll try and be ready for but time frame wise it, it makes it tough especially for guys like my team you know g and g racing and guys that do it in their garage it's like man we need to know because we gotta you know it takes my guy i mean it's you know, it takes them a while to do stuff. Like we gotta, we gotta get some shit done. We have a bunch of bikes to kind of prepare. So anyway, a lot going on, a lot of crazy shit. We'll, we'll talk about over the, uh, over the off season. I wanted to bang out this high, low line, man. It's kind of a, this or that pick one or the other and a brief explanation. Um, you're like a well-rounded rider and you watch a bunch of different shit. So this was actually pretty easy for me to put together. Um, you got to pick one motocross track in Florida to spend a week riding at. Are you going to PAX or Orlando just based on tracks alone? Let's say they're both equally, you know, equal distance from your house. I'm going to go with PAX, but uh, yeah, I'm going to go with PAX, but I, I do enjoy Orlando when it gets whooped out, but that's mainly because of my off-road stuff. So, but PAX, I enjoy, I enjoy uh, the jumps more PAX. So PAX. PAX. You ever done spider? I have not. Honestly, I've only really been to PAX. Uh, I've been to the one over by Pensacola. I think it's like MX191. Okay. That one was pretty good. Um, that Dalton and BK and Merg go to all the time. And then, yeah. uh, and then honestly, only uh, Orlando and PAX so far. Most of the time, if I'm riding, I go trail riding. So. Nice. Yeah, I'm more of a PAX guy, I guess. Orlando's, uh, that's a big job to go there. Um, what do you follow more, World Superbike or Moto America? Uh, oof, probably world Superbike. Uh, Johnny Ray's won that championship way too many times. So I'm a big top rack fan. So I'm hoping that that's going to happen this year and, and Reading fan for the record, but, uh, yeah, probably top rack. So Gagne wins every race. I think it makes it a little bit more boring, but I am impressively following just about every form of motorcycling. So, yeah. Yeah. That kind of, uh, that was unexpected for me. I mean, I, I thought he had a good shot to win, but I didn't think he'd just destroy everybody like he did this year man i mean i josh heron was his teammate you know scolty and you know all the guys like there, there's some good riders in that class dude bobby fong and the cam peterson and he he kicked their asses so that was definitely props to props to ganya that was that was awesome um who are you more of a fan of tomac or cooper webb or roxon let's throw a third one in there Ah, uh, shoot. I'm going to go with Tomac when, when, well, yeah, each, you just named three guys that have their, their highs and lows, uh, for sure. Like Roxon is insane when he's on, but dude, I mean, I can't cheer for the dude when he's putting around in 11th place, you know, yeah. Rox, or, uh, Cooper Webb. I like a little bit more. I liked him more 
uh, like 250 days, and then he got a little too cocky for me, kind of like in the early 450 days. And I, I, I like him, and I didn't really care for some of the stuff with like uh, like the, the shotgun or the, the pistol point at Roxon when he won that first round, I think, in like Texas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Cooper Webb's starting to like wear on me more. But dude, watching Tomac when like Tomac is on, like that is something to see. So, yeah, I'll probably go with Tomac, especially with Tomac on the Yamaha now. I like it when those guys change up brands, so that'll be cool. Yeah, I've always been an Eli fan. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Cooper. That was my thoughts, too. I liked him on the 250 when him and, like, Tyler Bowers used to, like, go at it, and then I didn't like him, and now I'm starting to I, – I respect his riding. Like, some of the stuff he does in Supercross is – yeah, that's super underrated. He's a, he's a gamer. And then Roxon too. I used to not – I was not a Roxon fan. Um I always cheer for like American moto guys, like, you know, the Europeans, I, I, I don't want them to come up, come over and whoop our asses. So I'm always cheering for, for the American guys, but I've learned to like, really like Roxon. Like he tells it how it is. He's um, he flow like when he's flowing, he's nasty. Like I, I love watching, I love watching him ride. So um, anybody, anybody else, like your ultimate, like, who's your guy? Like, you know, do you have a guy or not really? uh shoot dude i i root for like way too many of them uh i will say that i am a pretty big fan of ferrandis actually um that dude that dude freaking charges and then like i'm way too vested in all of it so like i listen to some stuff like podcasts and read articles and like i kind of like read something about how like some of the american fans aren't real cool and like some of the stuff that he's had to go through, even like here, stuff that you wouldn't even like believe could happen. It's pretty wild. Like I, I read, like there was a fan throwing water on him, like every lap of a moto this year, like yeah. dude, to be out there dealing with that. And then still just putting a hammer down and like, dude, he gets off the bike and has like a really good, uh, you know, spirit about it and doesn't like complain about it. And then uh, just hearing some of the other stuff too, like uh, the 450 motos were before the 250 motos and he got off the podium and immediately went to like, uh, the track prep guys and basically told him like, Hey, you need to go fix this section before the 250 guys race. Cause somebody's going to get hurt. Like stuff like that, I think is super rad to hear about. Um, so yeah, I'm a bit of a fan of his. He's kind of just, he's kind of quiet, but dude, like that guy is insane shape. Like how hard he can ride a motorcycle at 35 minutes into a moto is just ridiculous. But yeah. dude, I don't know. I'm a fan of all of them. I mean, it's, it's kind of bad. I, I, I don't even know. AC, I'm a huge fan of just cause, uh, I like watching his vlogs and, and yeah, he's dude funny. Is so, so fast for one lap, you know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm a fan of way too many of them. Let's just say that I kind of root for all of them. It's kind of weird, but yeah, yeah, whatever. It's kind of like me going to a dirt track, dude. Like I root for a lot of different people. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of dumb. I'm stoked if Mies wins the race. I'm stoked if Briar wins the race. Like, I'm stoked if JD wins the race. Uh, Davis. I'm if David, you know, like, dude, it's, it's kind of stupid. Like, B-Rob, if B-Rob wins the race, I'm stoked. Like, it's dumb. Like, I go to races. Yeah, well, Vanderpool hasn't won a national yet. But, like, dude, if he wins, I'm going to be stoked for it. You know what I mean? It's kind of, kind of retarded. Like, I'm, I'm kind of too big of a fan of the sports. Like, and I don't know. Like, I don't – I would say that I root for 10 guys to win the race for the one person I root to not win. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah that's funny yeah i mean that's yeah that's that says a lot about your personality man like i said you're a more of a positive guy like cheering at cheering everybody on like uh even when i won they first, first got to come over and you know give me a thumbs up dude it was just cool so um yeah that's rad uh 
I got two more for you. What track should they bring back first, Arizona TT or Buffalo Chip TT? That's a good question. Uh, so I don't really like either of them, to be honest. But uh, Arizona's probably cooler for racing, but the chip is definitely a cooler atmosphere. So I would have to say the chip. And Arizona, dude, was like 190 degrees out. So the chip has definitely got better weather, um, minus it seemed to rain the last two times we were there. So I'm going to go with the chip. I love the chip. Not being a TT guy, I, uh, I'll race the chip two, three times a year if they had it. Like, I, I love that place. It's fun. It's fun to be there. Just like a cool atmosphere for sure. I didn't do Arizona TT, but that looked, that looked pretty cool too. Um, uh, I got one for you. This one's kind of, uh, I don't know. I think it's pretty funny, but would you rather run uh, your DTX bike with no front fender at a flat track race or wear a full face helmet at the motocross track? Well, I've already done no front fender on my 450, so I'm going to have to go with that because, uh, yeah, I don't know. There, It was just Halloween. I almost did – I almost took a lap in off-road because we have a practice lap down here. I almost took a practice lap on Halloween in my leathers just for, uh, you know, Halloween's sake, but I didn't pull that one off. So, yeah, I, I would go with no front fender on my flat tracker just because we already had to do that once, and as long as we're all looking like fools – it's cool, man. You know, if I'm the one guy looking like a fool, that's harder. What would it take for you to run leathers in a two hour Enduro? Oof. Uh, I don't know. Probably just a bet. Honestly, if I, <laughs> if I didn't think it would slow me down, I would do it just based on a bet. But if, God, you know, if it wasn't like super hot, it would have to be like one of the, one of the very winter rounds where it's only like 50 degrees out or something. But Dude, I would be so hard if, if you posted a video of you doing Endora with uh, your leathers in full uh, full face. That'd be rad. The only problem I'd have is I couldn't fit both my knee braces inside. I So that would kind of be a little bit of a hiccup for me. Just so do you wear braces like when you moto, but not when, you, uh, when you're flat track? Uh, yes and no. So normally I wear a left knee brace for flat track because I, I did wreck my MCL in 2016. But mm. since I had Vanderpoy's leathers on this year, I had no knee braces um, because obviously they were his leathers and his were fitted for no knee braces. So this year I didn't have any knee braces on for flat track, but anytime I'm in moto gear or like on ice, cause obviously I ice race, I wear knee braces. So. Yeah. I'm a CTI guy and I always wear them riding moto, but I've never, I've never got them fitted under my leathers. Um, I just, you know, I just never did it. And then this year I, I jacked my, my knee up at Weedsport. I'm like, ah, oh, I guess I'm getting fitted for a knee brace, at least on my left one. That's a good move actually. Um, yeah. Why would you need it on your right? Actually? That's, that's actually a good move. So, um, nice dude. I'm jotting that one down. Good for you. Good shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Last couple of years now. Uh, well, yeah, ever since 2016, all my leathers basically like I have my left knee measured and my right knee measured, you know, because uh, I wear Mobius personally. Um, so, yeah, I was stuffing Mobius knee braces inside my leathers for the last few years. But it is nicer not wearing them, but it's definitely nice also having the protection. Yeah, there's a bunch of arguments, brace or no brace. I mean, I like I like the CTIs. They they, they give me just a little, little extra comfort knowing that, uh, I don't know. I have, we're, we're, we're old, bro. We're 30, we're 30 plus. We're all dude. It's coming to a point where we're cresting the 35 point soon. 
and then we'll be closer to 40 than we will 30. That just blows my mind to think about, honestly. It, I have a tough time with it sometimes. I'm like, wow. It's like, I could do 40 I think plus it's wild. soon. Dude, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm 20. Like that's the part I think that's probably the weirdest and it's <laughs> funny enough like I was you know back when I was like 23 I was an idiot. Like obviously I used to do a lot of partying. Like I was not even in remote like racing shape and like now I'm 34 I'm in the best shape of my life, you know? So it's like I've almost done things backwards. Like I used to wake up back then like sore and my back would hurt and now I wake up and I feel great, you know? It's kind of funny. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know, man. It's, it's crazy. I'm, I'm glad I have a, someone close to me in age, literally two days that I can, uh, we can chat about our, our bodies deteriorating or getting better. <laughs> I'm always like, ah, it's like, I'll ride a pit bike. And then the next day I'm sore and I'm just like, I didn't crash. Why am I sore? It's like, Oh, I'm just, that's just what happens now. I just get sore a little bit. Like it's, um, yeah, it's crazy, dude. The recovery time like blows me away. Like, and like so if you don't ride for a week and then you go ride moto you don't you don't get like a sore back or anything uh not anymore but dude i i've never spent as much time on a motorcycle as i do now i mean yeah, realistically i'm on a motorcycle every week and yeah i've been bicycling almost every day so yeah it's kind of a weird deal like I don't know. Red, red will basically yell at me if I go like more than a week. She's like, dude, there's something wrong with you. Like you're getting annoying. You need to go ride your bike. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Nice, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, dude. It was fun. Um, I'll see you here in a few days or actually a couple days, but when this gets released, I'll probably have already spent some time with you. I bring my bicycle down. So we'll try and do a couple of longer rides, help you get closer to that 600 goal. That's a good goal, dude. If you, you pull that off, that's a good month. So we'll, uh, definitely spend some miles here soon and yeah just appreciate who you are these days dude i appreciate you like uh i appreciate jesse janish on and off the track man and just uh looking forward to kind of spending more time with you here in the future heck yeah man appreciate the call and uh yeah it'll be fun well uh you can tell me around because i ain't that strong i can just i can just uh pedal by myself for you know 20 miles that's not that hard but uh going fast is not that easy so <laughs> uh, it's off season and, we'll uh, chill we'll chill we'll do some fun rides you can show me the scenery i, I remember saw when i saw you guys at one time uh flagler i'm like stopped at like a red light and jd and you come screaming from behind dude, i damn near jumped off the bike i thought i was gonna get rear-ended as you fucking assholes on your bicycle so I, was like, <laughs> I was just scared that jd was gonna take off on us and i was gonna lose the toe <laughs> <laughs> he was hauling when he passed me i got i was like dude like you literally scared the shit i think we had it on video i don't know why i was videoing something and uh it's on video it's pretty funny actually but Cool, man. Well, I'll see you in a few days. And uh, yeah, thanks again. And congrats on your season. Chat you soon. Cool. Thanks. Yep. Later, bud. Bye. Wow. Another show in the books. Kind of a, a mix around there. No, no Frankie. He's working. I had to bang this out before I'm leaving for Florida. So I had to get this one out. Get this one in the in the edits for uh, Billy to put together, and then uh, called Robbie McClendon, got him on as a co-host for a little bit, so that was dope. And then talking to Jesse, uh, getting some thoughts from his season, man, it is pretty underrated what he was able to put together this year. And um, you know, a lot of people like Michael Locke said at the banquet, we thought we got rid of him, and then he comes back, and not only is he back in the sport, but 
kind of turned his whole sort of vibe around and grabs a win there at Charlotte and a bunch of podium finishes. And honestly, I wasn't surprised by it. Uh, a lot of people were like, yeah, it surprised me. And it's like, dude, I, I've raced and saw, I've seen Jesse race for a long time and all the way from amateur days to road racing. Um, I knew he wasn't a TT, just a TT specialist. That's why I always gave him shit. I thought it was funny. People called him a TT guy. It's like, yeah, he's good on TTs, but I mean, he's, he's a good rider. Like gets on a good bike and it, it makes you wonder how many other guys like, you know, that could have got on, on bikes, uh, you know, and with the right, right opportunity and, and the right mindset and, and see what they could have done. You know, it would have been interesting for sure, but um, yeah, props to him. Hopefully we'll see him on the grid next year. Uh, I want to, want to make sure we shout out sponsors to, uh, make this show happen. I, I missed it in the beginning. So I want to make sure we do that. They make this show happen. Bell power sports, check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. If you start, if you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by bell, uh, make sure you, like I said, check out their website, go on their social media pages. I want to give bell a shout out again for sponsoring my 85 CC class at the winter throwdown. They're giving the winner, the overall champion of that class, a full factory bell deal. So uh, yeah, just stoked for their involvement in the sport. Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing. Check out their website at yamahamotorsports.com. Motors, motorcycle, ATV, side-by-side, snowmobile and power products. Yamaha revs your heart. They're offering contingency at the winter throwdown. So um, a lot of these companies that support our podcast, they're just real big and involved in the industry in general and flat track. So it's, it's really cool. Indian Motorcycle, since 1901, Indian Motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules. Again, I was at the at the local gym today, jogging around the outside, and the challenger in the wild was there. Um, so it, it's such a good-looking motorcycle. If, if this guy ever leaves his key in the ignition, I'm going to fire this bitch up and go for <laughs> go for some dyno pools down the road. But um, really appreciate Indian and all they do. Contingency for the sport, bagger racing. They support, you know, factory team with Briar Bauman and, and Jared Meese. Uh, yeah, just Indian doing a lot of great things. Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, Jerry Stinchfield, commercial and industrial roofing company with nearly 40 years of experience. Check out Jerry's website at commercialroofsystems.net. Um, without Jerry, it'd be tough to have a series in AFT. So we appreciate Jerry for all his support. And Freedom Valley Harley-Davidson in Sellersville, Pennsylvania. Make sure you check them out on Facebook and social media. New and used bikes, parts and motor clothes service. If you're looking for a Harley dealership to support, Freedom Valley, Harley Davidson in Sellersville, Pennsylvania. Uh, another shameless plug, winter throwdown. January 6th is our open practice. January 7th and 8th is our races, race one and race two. Uh, check out the website. I just got it finished, winterthrowdown.com. Rules, class structures, updated awards. Uh, there's an entry form on there you can print out and fill out prior to the event. Um, just been working really hard on this, and I'm I'm hoping by next week we'll have an announcement on live streaming we're going to do for this race. I got a big, I'm hopeful, it's pretty close, uh, live streaming. Uh, so it's a big opportunity for the riders coming and then the sponsors involved as well with this live streaming. Um, much love for all the support. Hit us up on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. We'll get Frankie back on next week. I feel like I'm on an island right now, just throwing this one out here but hopefully you guys enjoy it and uh yeah we'll chat you soon we out